Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. Hi, I'm Terry Chung from Factor One Accounts and Advisors, and you're listening to the Outsource Accountants Podcast. Terry, tell us about your business story and its history. Uh, thanks, Nick. Uh, well, my business partner, Dave, and I, we, we were part of another firm, um, but we wanted to be more, more progressive and, and more contemporary and, and connected with our clients, Nick. So five years ago, we started Factor One an accounting advisory firm in Melbourne. And um, it's a good thing we, we've, we've had a lot of organic growth to date, uh, which is it was really exciting. Um, but with every expanding business, I suppose, Nick, it, it, we need good staff and good staff become a priority. So a um, bit about us, we, we focus on two key pillars, uh, service excellence and operational efficiency. So, and, and in order to get consistently or consistently deliver on those fundamentals, uh, we just need the right people in, in place. Excellent. So give us an overview of your team structure before we started today's podcast. You mentioned that you just um, took on another firm or another business. So tell us a little bit about your team structure onshore and offshore and the types of roles that, there, that you have. Yep, yep. So f- five years ago, or five years on now, I, I should say, we, we're now 29 staff. Um, this includes team members in, in Philippines and, and local staff in two of our offices. Um, we have team members in the Philippines because we're with you and, and we've been with TOA for uh, I think as long as we've been in operations. So um, we've got about uh, six roles in Philippines at the moment. Um, it, it's, firstly, our team was known as, as Factor One Clark. And then we renamed it to Factor One Philippines. Uh, and now it's known as Factor One Asia. Um, <laughs> and, and <laughs> I know, and, but this gives our team so much pride uh, being known as Factor One Asia. So um, you talked about structure. Um, we've moved away from what we call agile teams, uh, where we, we find team members that have the available skills and, and, and are available to do jobs for specific jobs. So we moved away from that to, to more formal team structure where the DK team members to a team. So a team will have a team leader or have um, a, a Philip, uh, a TOA member in there, um, whether it's a TOA account or TOA bookkeeper, and they're supported by TOA admin people as well. Um, so we needed to do that as we focus on standardising procedures and practices within those teams itself, and that helps with monitoring KPIs. Um, the just in touch of the structure, the the reporting lines. Uh, we have a dual reporting line, so we we have a, a Factor One Asian team leader, and we found that very valuable. So. Factor One Asia reports to that team leader as well as a functional lead in Australia. Um, and, and that's worked really well for us. 
It's a, it's a very good way of doing it. So the story of setting up your offshore team, because you've been a client of ours for close to four and a half years, so pretty much the whole time you've been running as a business. What yep. were the motivations behind doing this? Obviously, you started the business. What was the drive to go down and have an offshore team pretty much from the start? Uh, we needed good help and, and good help in a cost-effective manner, as simple as that at that time. Um, when we started off, it was just David and myself. We were doing everything from initial contact, preparing financials, tax returns, lodgements, outbound letters, the works. I'm sure accounts out there know about all this stuff. So um, we just needed to um, hire staff in a short lead time and just, just to help us out because um, we were drowning with work. Um, and, and we didn't have the office space. We didn't have the office space to have another local team member because we were operating in the shoebox. Um, but we, yeah, it, it was a time ago and looking back, but uh, we did want the flexibility of adding more staff because we were drowning with work. Um, and I know we, we wanted a, a, a no-fuss solution. Uh, and with that said, uh, uh, we wanted to know that the team members were supported at the other end as well. That's a key point. So how did you go about getting set up? How did you find us, um, the recruitment, the onboarding process? What was, I suppose, the process in finding us and then how long did it take to get up and running? Uh, well, the the first step was, was getting over hurdle of... Um, been comfortable with the outsourcing uh, and if I step back a little bit we, we had tried outsourcing and in the truest sense uh, where we contracted work out to an external company and they did the work and we maintained client relationships that we found that different accountants um, were working on the same client from year to year and that didn't work for us and we also found out that um, with that outsourcing model that different accounts work on different entities within the same group. And that didn't work for us. So uh, there were inconsistencies. And, and we were, in our research, we were keen to keep control of quality. So when we did start Factor One, um, we did reach out to a number of providers and, and TOA did come back immediately with information and also guided us through the process. So... Um, that's why we, we, we looked and we were very keen on, on um, TOA in terms of our research. Uh, now, one of the reasons why we chose TOA is that um, it, um, different from the previous experience, um, TOA provided team members that were 100% dedicated to us. So 100% dedicated and effectively they were, they were our teams just working in a different location. An office, um, and if I may, I often get asked the question, um, "Why did we choose Philippines?" And, and the communication skills are so good, um, the education system is exceptional, and and also the the time difference from Australia was just a few hours. But um, you mentioned about um, how long did it take? Um, well. The process of putting on someone was, was pretty quick from memory. <laughs> it's four and a half years ago. It was yeah. a little bit of time ago. Um, but I, I remember Toa guided us through the process and, and also 
Um, the good thing was it addressed any of our apprehension at the time. So it was a, a little bit of time ago, and all I remembered was we made a decision, and a couple of weeks later we had a team member. Yeah, that's no, a good way. So for someone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them for the type of work that the offshore team should do? So what were the first tasks or jobs that you got your team to do? Um, well, we started with admin. Admin, letters, lodgements, ASIC returns, a lot of the transactional stuff that required to be done um, was the first task. Um, we, we do get our factor one agent to, team to do everything now. Uh, well, mostly everything. I can't say everything, but mostly everything. Um, but uh, typically they started with the admin and then they worked through what uh, generally a junior accountant would do in terms of crunching numbers, analysing, getting the work done to a trial balance and then uh, move on forward to, to work that more of a senior accountant does accounting-wise and tax. Um, it's, it's interesting, uh, Nick, I, um, uh, I, I suppose I mentioned, uh, I spoke to our local teams about this yesterday and uh, uh, as I was preparing for this podcast uh, and interestingly the, the local team said uh, there's no limits on what our factor and Asian team can do with the right training. So yeah, then mate. I checked with our, sorry, then I checked with our Asian team and they said, yeah, uh, that's about right. And they were happy and hungry to learn. And I think that's one of the key things is that one of the challenges that um, a lot of new clients come to us with is they're looking for a senior accountant. But yep. where you started with starting with the lower work and then you progressively train them over time so that they can do a high level work, but you don't expect them to start with that, which is, I think, the key. Um, mm. It's definitely, which sort of leads me on to the next question around um, training. What advice would you give to someone about training a new team? What would you do that worked um, to help get your team to a level now where they're pretty much doing a high level of work and, and all very, I suppose, varied work as well? Uh, sure. Uh, I suppose, firstly, firstly, uh, my thoughts is if I had my time again, um, I'd start with two staff. Uh, there's plenty of support there, but with two team members, they learn and bounce off each other. And and, and uh, I suppose if one leaves, there's continuity. But uh, that leads me into the, the tips is that procedures and checklists, fundamental. Um, I know when we first started out, um, we didn't have them written down step by step. Uh, most of the things were in our heads. Um, to write them was onerous and we were, doing, we were in the business to, on the tools. Um, so, but these days what we're doing is that um, we do it once, we record it, we index it and we capture it. And, and we build a training library and knowledge base which is unique to our organisation. So um, it, it's also... I, I um, if I may share a story, uh, one time I was going over a topic. Well, I was going to go over a topic. It was conversion of, of MYOB into zero. And I said to one team, this is what we're going to go through today. And they said, there's no need, Terry. We already have a video clip on it. So awesome. I was a bit I was a bit embarrassed. <laughs> I, I didn't know, but uh, but great that they did. So 
Procedures and checklists fundamental. Next tip, uh, over-communicate and be available. Just because our team's overseas doesn't mean that they don't need our time and doesn't mean that they have questions because they have many. Um, and the last tip I'd have uh, is, is structured training. So identify the, the knowledge gaps and train, train and train and uh, tap into the Thai training programs because what I've seen is they are comprehensive, a huge list of technical stuff and also on, on softer skills. There's some good advice there. So would, they, would those things that you've just covered there also, I suppose, go into the tips for managing an offshore team or do you have some more tips when someone was to manage, I suppose, manage an overall team? What would your tips be for that? Uh, yep, uh, we've got we've got three fundamental things, but for us, there's no real difference between managing offshore and onshore team. Uh, but the three things that are paramount to us is um, staying connected, sharing the vision, and celebrating our successes. Um, celebrating successes is quite important. And just this morning, we celebrated one of our team members' uh, first anniversary work anniversary and uh, everyone's so happy. Um, but uh, we're, we're of the opinion that if we take care of our team members really well, that they'll take care of our clients really well. But if I could drill down to what does staying connected mean, just that point, um, for us it's about creating that relationship from the start, um, knowing them, um, knowing our, our team members when they first are. And, and for us, they, they make a video clip about themselves, just about their education, um, about their family and who they are, uh, and also videos on, on their holidays. And our local team try and do the same back. So stay inclusive uh, um, as much as we can with them. Um, staying connected also means for us is um, um, with our toe client engagement manager in the Philippines. So, you know, Nick, it, it's music to my ears where our CEM says, I have your back, I have you covered. Uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, that um, is good. There is a fourth tip, and, yeah, and this is good. the huge one. Um, toe for us is, is bigger than providing the resources. Um, it's a big statement, but... Um, the community of practitioners that are with TOA at this point in time is so valuable. And there's so many like-minded practitioners that have gone through the things that we've gone through so, and, and only willing to help. So the, the fourth tip I have is get connected and, and lean on this experience. Yeah, and that's a great advice. I mean, that's a big part of why we do the local um, events that we do with clients. And then we do, obviously, the yearly conference, which I know you've come over to the Philippines for that. Um, and that community is so critical because everyone, I mean, we've got over 550 clients and some that have been with us close to seven years that have made every mistake you can make. So the benefit to the community is they can learn from all the mistakes that others make, but they can more importantly learn from what's working for everyone else um, and how they can implement those things. So I know you've definitely been a, a very active and, and a great part of our community for many years now. So. I'm going to ask you and pivot a little bit. So how do you measure the success of your offshore team? What KPIs do you use to, to really gauge whether they're being successful? Yep, sure. Um, 
We don't specifically target measures on our offshore team. Um, so we have the same rules firm-wide. Productivity measures, revenue targets. Uh, we have individual targets, we have team targets, and we have firm targets applicable for everyone. So I know they're tough measures that we set as well, but do, we, we do expect a lot. So it, it, for us, it doesn't matter whether team member sits in Melbourne or if they're sitting in Philippines. We have the same expectation on all of them. Um, but success on the other side, I suppose, is, is for us is... Uh, on the softer side is actually seeing our team members perform and progress. As you mean, you know, we started with them and they're progressing through. Um, so seeing them succeed in their work life uh, and also personal life is what gives us sort of our, our own reward. Yeah. And I always say that with anyone that um, I suppose joins the Toa family as a, an employee, that my aim is that we, they leave us at some point a better person if they do leave us. I mean, obviously, we want people to stay with us for their whole career and journey, but should they choose to leave prior to that, that they do leave a better person. And, and I think that really aligns with what you just said then about seeing the success of your team grow, which we have seen um, over the years. So the next question I'm going to ask you is, is, if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value that your Factor One Asia team provides, what would it be? A word or a phrase? Um, yep, the the one thing that comes to mind is leverage and scalability. Um, so I'm assuming that will be a phrase. Um, I love it. It's good. <laughs> so leverage and scalability, um, and what that team can provide is we can really tap into, I suppose, a, a cost-effective talent pool. Um, and to do this relatively quickly. Um, so, and if we need it, we'll just go and request it. And I see the talent pool is a big advantage. Um, I, 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 I was reflecting um, on this the other day about uh, our team members. And, and uh, I know when I was in the Philippines, you mentioned I, I, I've been to the Philippines a couple of times, but I did go to the Philippines and, and one of, our team members are come out of university top of their class. And, and one of my visits, I was privileged enough to go to the grandmother's house of a team member and she put this team member through schooling. And, and I saw on, on a cabinet two dean's certificates proudly displayed and cheekingly through translation, uh, she said they were the only two on display because um, she didn't have room for the other certificates. Um, so that's a bit about the um, leverage and scalability and also accessing the talent pool in a cost-effective way. Yeah, excellent. So does Factor One have a people strategy mapped? Um, and if it does or doesn't, what do you see the ratio of team members being onshore locally versus offshore in the medium to longer term? Um, people strategy um we don't have a people strategy um and and fundamentally i um i do acknowledge that this is something that we need to do um we haven't so, got clarity at this point in time so where do you see i suppose longer term with um an onshore and an offshore team where do you see the ratio we i mean my the way that we see success is you know if a firm's 
doing well, they've got one local team member to every one team member offshore. If they're really doing it exceptionally well, they're getting up to that two to three offshore and to one onshore. Now at the moment, you're not at the one to one ratio, but where do you see longer term that the business would, would sit within that? Uh, well, I see us about a one to two um, long term, perhaps one to three. Um, in production, at least that ratio. Hmm. Uh, we'll have key people locally in in Australia. Uh, we need. We know we need to build capacity and capability. But what we're finding at the moment is, because we don't have clarity, we're we're still working through and feeling our way through load balancing between um, onshore and offshore, and, and we're still finding our way through the the right mix. Um, at this point in time, so there's no bottleneck in production. So we don't have that long-term view at this point in time. We're still working our way through five years on. Um, it's a work in progress. You've had some good growth. I mean, you've had strong growth. You're obviously up to 29 staff um, globally across across all countries at the moment. So yep. you know, that's good growth in, in five years. So that probably leads me on to my next question. The year ahead, what is your plan with your offshore team, how do you plan to keep growing um, the team, their capability, and ultimately their performance? Um, simple as getting them invested, getting invested in, a, in in what we're doing, being part of Factor One. Uh, I, I know last time when I was in Philippines, I was, I was sharing this vision, so trying to get the guys invested, and and, and our um, team member in in Philippines came up with this this term, this concept, which we've adopted firm-wide. And, and this is what we're, we're using at this point. It's moment is, is grow. So it's G-R-O-W. Yep. Uh, and as I was talking, he framed it up into grow. It's G for good relationships internally, um, which improves morale, higher staff retention and productivity and externally, well, with clients. So we all know about that. Um, revenue means um, growing revenue. So investing back in the company and also the team member skills, knowledge and experience. Uh, and, and what that means, and we're all bought in on this, is um, locally and internationally, is it, it provides opportunities, um, opportunities for the future in terms of progression fulfillment and they mentioned it's more than a paycheck and a title these opportunities so gro equals w which is the wow factor and uh i i i suspect they've sort of stolen it off toa somewhere one of our values as well so bring the wow yeah that's that's right (laughs) so um these are sort of things that have we've framed up to to keep us growing uh, we haven't got a roadmap of growth, but we have got an overarching strategy, uh, which these sort of underpin it. Excellent. So how has offshoring benefited your clients? Um, faster turnaround times, definitely. Uh, and the other thing is the clients getting to know that factor one is bigger than Terry Chung. Uh, it's it's bigger than my business partner David Fitzgerald, um, and that that factor one is, is I suppose as a whole uh, there's a lot of capable people behind it. 
Now, we, we would never have been able to do that without um, offshoring um, resources. Um, extra service offerings is the other one. Um, and also cost-effective solutions for quality services. Um, yeah. So they're the three things. Yeah, great. How has offshoring contributed to giving you more time personally? Has it given you more work-life balance? Uh, work-life balance, what's that, Nick? <laughs> That's uh, a so, dream. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my, my simple answer to that is uh, no, it hasn't. Um, but um, that that's been a, that's been out of choice because um, we we, uh, we we like what we do we love what we do but um, what it has allowed us to do is it's allowed us to focus more time on the business for our growth uh, to focus on strategy um, to look at our next opportunities um, to focus on uh, improvements within the firm um, and it's also allowed us to um, our own productivity measures for, for partners to drop from around 80% to a target of 35%. So this would have been really difficult if we didn't have the support behind us to do. So that's, a big word, that's where we've felt it as, as partners of the firm. Yeah. So the next question sort of leads on to that. How has having a global team had an effect on your profit? Have you seen that? had a positive effect yet, or is it still something that's in process? Uh, it's in process. So I, I, I could say that uh, we're not there yet. Um, we've, we've got a target of, um, and this is where the offshore resource comes into play, but we've got a target of 40% cost of goods sold. So it leaves a GP of 60%, and we're trying to drive down overheads to about 35%. And then an EBIT after partner salaries of about 25%. So we're not there yet. We have made some profits through offshoring, but um, what we're doing is we're, we're continuing investing in people, product, and technology. So um, we're setting us up for success in the future, um, but we have seen benefits to date. Yeah, that's excellent. So what's the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team, and is it true? Uh, the biggest myth, the biggest myth or objection is that we are taking jobs away from Australian locals. Um, some may not say it, but I'll say it, this is what I, um, what I hear. And, and, and I've lived, I've breathed, uh, I've thought about our business in most of my waking hours, Nick. And, and my view is, well, Looking specifically at factor one, yep, we may have hired one or two more staff locally if we didn't offshore. Yep, that's true. But looking at the broader picture, I'm thinking, well, because we've got a, yeah, um, because we have a balanced offshore and onshore team, uh, we've been able to provide better service at a better price to our clients and also support our clients that are hiring thousands of locals. Um, and, and even through this health crisis, um, we haven't let anyone go. Everyone's still employed. And, and we've become increasingly important to our clients to help them through. Yeah, no, that's always a, a big one. And again, I 100% agree with you. So there's been tons of um, gold nuggets that you've given today, tips and 
things that I think our listeners will definitely take away and be able to implement. For anyone that wanted to reach out and have a chat to you, um, what would be the best way for them to get in contact with you? Um, they could jump on our website, uh, www.factor1.com.au. Uh, I've got an email, uh, terry at factor1.com.au. Or you could hit me up on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Insta. So that's how you can grab me. Excellent. Terry, as always, enjoy our time together. And thank you so much for all the, the knowledge that you've been able to share today on today's podcast. I really appreciate your time and um, sharing this time with you. Thanks a lot, Nick. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity and great chatting with you again. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. Thanks and have a great day.